Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, for the lady who got healed up here, I just feel like the Lord will have to change your name because you came in here, Karen, that cane, but her name was Karen, so anyway. Ah, <laughs> oh, isn't God so good? This morning, what, this morning in pre-service prayer, I just felt like the Lord was healing someone um, with a condition in their bladder. Bladder, urethra, something like that. The Lord's touching you. If that's you, by faith, just say, Lord, that's me. I receive that. And if you go home and you are healed, please let us know. And if you're not healed, please let us know because we want to continue praying for you. See and see God touch you, heal you, change you, transform you. That's good, isn't it? I love it when God comes and changes us, transforms us, and uh, it's amazing. We had, a, we had an amazing week this week. It was uh, Independence Day on Wednesday. I hope you had a great, great Independence Day celebration. Uh, people from the Commonwealth like to call it Rebel Day, but, you know, that's okay. Um, and it was amazing. We, we've just, I've just been jumping into Going deeper into this passage, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John 15. As I've been thinking about and praying about what I was to preach on, I kept on coming back to this passage and couldn't get away from it. Uh, we're going to read it. We're going to go from John 15, verse 1, down to verse 17. It's a little bit longer passage, but stick with me. And what you need to know is that this passage is actually the culmination. Jesus has spent three plus years with his disciples. He's walked with them every day, taught them. And these are his final words as he's heading to the cross, as he's heading to be crucified. And think about this. If you have spent your life pouring into people for three plus years and you know you're about to be taken away from them, what would you say? What would you talk about? What would you want them to remember? So as we read John 14, 15, 16, 17, this is the context. These are Jesus' final words to his disciples. Now, obviously, we're not reading John 14, 15, 16, 17. We're just reading 15, 1 to 7. But I feel like God wants to release fresh strength and fresh life into us this morning. And so let's read. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself and it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And this is my command to love each other. Father, we ask this morning with all of our hearts that your word would sink into our spirits and sink into our souls and that we would be rooted and established in you. Lord, that we would, be, that we would abide in the vine, remain where you have placed us, and that we would be incredibly, incredibly fruitful for the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, we receive this morning your power, your strength, your life, your anointing, your fresh grace for us. And by faith, oh God, we choose to drink of the river of life that is flowing from your throne and coming into our bodies and coming into our beings right now. So I bless you, catch the fire, drink. Drink of his goodness. Drink of his presence. Drink of his love. Drink of his incredible mercy. Drink of his grace that has been given to you through the wonderful Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. John 15. I love this passage, and I used to hate this passage. I love this passage because of the life that's in it. I used, this passage used to cause me anxiety when I was younger. And if you look here, I'll tell you why. John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. So why does Jesus say he is the true vine? He says he is the true vine because Israel, the law, was actually described as a vine in Jeremiah 2. And Jesus came looking for fruit from that vine, and it never appeared. And what Jesus is saying is that I am actually the true vine. If you want to be fruitful, I am the one that you're looking to. Don't look to the law. Don't look to what you can do. Look to me. Be planted in me. Be immersed in me. He is the true vine. And my father is the gardener. So God the Father is the one who is tending to us, who is watering us, who is watching over us to make us fruitful. Jesus continues, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Does that make anyone nervous in here? <laughs> Does that make anyone a little bit anxious? I used, to, I used to be afraid because of this passage. For years, I would say, but God, how do I know that I'm being fruitful? God, how do I, I don't want to be cut off from you. How do I know that your fruit is coming into me? that I'm producing your fruit. Because I'm not like a tree. I don't have an apple growing out of my head. I don't have pears growing underneath my armpits. I cannot physically tell if I'm being fruitful or not. And then my mind would go to another place where the fruit is listed, and of course, that's Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And I would start going through my head and I would start going through the various fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Okay, I'm, I'm usually loving. Sometimes I'm joyful. I'm usually pretty peaceful. I'm okay. Love, joy, peace, patience, patience. Maybe I need to be producing patience. And then I'd be trying as hard as I could to produce patience. Then I would talk to people who would frustrate me. 
No one in this room, of course, but people who would frustrate me. I talked to some of my coworkers. No one in this room, of course. Um, I would talk to, I'd talk to sometimes my wife. I talked to sometimes my parents. And I would start feeling myself getting frustrated. And I would stop and I'd be going, John, you have to be patient. Be patient. Because we all know that sometimes when you pray and ask the Lord for patience, he doesn't give you patience. He gives you opportunities to be patient, right? (laughs) And so what I found was that as I prayed for patience, the Lord would bring into my life what I lovingly term EGRs, extra grace required. People who would um, just seem to rub me the wrong way. People who I would just clash with. And I'd be there and I'd be getting frustrated on the inside. But on the outside, I'd be like this. Oh, yes, please, tell me more. Yes, I'd love to hear about your life. Coffee? Why, I love it. Let's go get some. Let's spend the next 20 hours chatting. And then I'm going to go home and read the email that you sent to me as a follow-up. No problem. I'd love that. And inside, my teeth would be gritted, and I would be going, oh, God. But in my mind, I'm going, John, be patient. Just be patient. Produce the fruit, because if you produce the fruit, you will not be a branch that gets cut off and thrown away. And so this verse used to bring me anxiety. The next verse brought me even more anxiety. Or the next part of the verse, because Jesus continues on and he says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I would think to myself, okay, if I'm unfruitful, I'm cut off. If I am fruitful, all fruitfulness is rewarded with pruning. (laughs) Well, this is good news. And I would say, God, this seems so impossible to accomplish. This seems like I'm unable to do it. And that's the good news, everybody, is that when you are unable to, that's when his power is able. And as we'll see, it's act, Jesus is actually saying, he's, he's talking so that we realize it's not anything we can do, it's only what he can do. It's only what he's done. See, he continues on. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And as we dwell and as we meditate on the word of God, his word comes into us and begins to clean us and begins to cleanse us and begins to prepare us to bear fruit. But what I'm realizing as I read this passage is that God is looking for fruit in our lives. God is looking for fruit in your life. He's looking for you to be incredibly, incredibly fruitful in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we're going to read this ne- the next part of the passage, and I want you to pay attention to something. How do you highlight something in Scripture? For example, when you're texting someone, like, come home. Hey, where are you at? How are you doing? How do you put an emphasis on those words? If you're texting, what do you do? Put it in caps lock, right? And all of a sudden, instead of come home, it's come home! Where are you? Where are you? All of a sudden, it's like it's screaming at you. And we are used to being able to put quotations. We can highlight. We are used to being able to emphasize certain parts of text. 
The issue is that in the original Greek and in, in the original Hebrew, which the Bible was written, there is no punctuation, there is no capitals. So how do you emphasize what you're trying to say? You emphasize by repeating. And so whenever you see repetition in scripture, that means pay attention to it. Because if you do not pay attention to it, you will miss what the author is trying to communicate. For example, Jesus, usually in the Gospels, he says, truly, truly, I say to you. That means what I'm about to tell you is true. I'm emphasizing that you need to pay attention to it. So we're going to read the next few verses, and I'd like you to look for what words are being emphasized, what words are being repeated over and over and over again, okay? Starting at verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, the first thing I want to point out to you is this. There are some people who will say that Jesus was not God. Jesus was just a really good teacher. Jesus just came to show us how to live, be kind, be nice to one another. But my friends, that is not who Jesus is. He did not leave us with any other options. In fact, he says it right here in verse 5. He says himself, he is claiming to be God. He says, I am divine and you are debranches. <laughs> that's not what I want you to see but the claims about Jesus are true see as C.S. Lewis has said Jesus if you truly look at what he said you must come to the conclusion that he is either a madman on the level of one who says he is a poached egg or he is a tyrant he's a liar or he is God himself. He is who he says he is. And we know that he's not a madman because a madman wouldn't do and say the things that Jesus did and said. We know that he's not a liar because he's claiming to be a good teacher. So then we're left with one option. But as we read this passage, what we realize is that there are two things that should stick out at us. One is fruit. One is that God is looking for fruitfulness in our lives. God is looking for us to be incredibly, incredibly fruitful. And the fruitfulness actually determines the resources that are given to us. God is looking for fruitfulness in our lives. But more than fruit, what gets emphasized over and over and over and over again is the word remain. Is the word abide. Abide in me. Remain in me. Remain in the vine and you will be fruitful. You know what I love that Jesus doesn't say? I love that he doesn't say, get into me. I love that he doesn't say, come into me. I love that he doesn't say, if you do everything right, if you keep all the commandments, if you live a perfect life, then you will be fruitful. That's not what he says. He says, remain. 
And what remain means is stay where I have placed you. Remain in what I have done for you. And what I'm realizing is that Jesus has done something for me I could never do for myself. See, we had, Tom, can I use you for a minute, please? And JT and Michael, can I use you as well? Thank you. What I'm realizing is that here we have the Trinity. We have the wonderful Father, who is very esteemed, handsome, and stylish. (laughs) To his right, we have the glorious Son, who looks every bit like his loving dad. And to the right of him, we have the spirit, the dove, (laughs) the bird. And I have thought, for years I thought that this is how the Trinity was. This is how they're related to us. When they decided to create the world, the father spoke, the spirit was released, and they went and created together. But I've realized that this image is wrong. Because if you were to go back to before creation, what would you see and what would you hear? Well, you would probably hear laughter. And you would probably see a triune God, three in one, in relationship and embrace together. And out of that relationship and out of that embrace, they create the world. And now, now check this out. Aaron, can I use you for a minute, please? Here we have Aaron who represents humanity after the fall. This is where... <laughs> so, it's all right, Aaron. I'm your EGR right now. I'm sorry. So Aaron represents humanity where we have chosen to be our own savior, chose to go our own way, do our own thing, and that has led to all sorts of brokenness, pain, and heartache within our lives and in our society. Every single thing that's wrong in our society can be traced back to sin, to us wanting to be our own God, to us wanting to be our own savior and our own Lord. Now realize what Jesus has done. Jesus did not say, Aaron, come into me. Jesus didn't say, Aaron, the imperfect one, become perfect. Aaron, the unrighteous one, become righteous. Aaron, the one who's, the one who's finite, become infinite. This is what Jesus did. As he goes, God becomes man, fully man, fully God, and he takes a hold of us, and he brings us, into the divine embrace of God. He brings us into the divine cuddle. Aaron, can I have you just turn around, please, and and face the audience? Thank you. He brings us directly into the embrace, and now this is what he says. He says, stay where I have placed you. Remain where I have placed you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Through a sovereign, merciful, gracious act of God, he grabbed a hold of you and grabbed a hold of me, brought us into himself, and now he says, remain. And if you remain, you will never cease being fruitful. 
if you remain, you will always bear fruit. Because it's impossible not to because the divine life of God is now flowing into us. And we are being brought into the divine embrace. And I really struggled with this when I was younger. I said, God, I don't understand. God, I know you're always with me, but I feel so lonely right now. God, I know that you're, you've called me to, be, to flourish and to be fruitful, but I don't feel it. I'm not seeing it. And it was in that place of desperation, as I closed my eyes, I felt like the Father came to me, and he revealed this to me. He showed me me sitting right in the middle of this embrace. And he said, John, I have brought you into the divine cuddle of God. I have brought you into the divine cuddle. And now all you need to do, son, is just remain where I placed you. Don't move yourself from here because it's from here that all of your life flows. It's from here that all of my grace comes to you. It's from here that you can be incredibly fruitful. So remain where I have placed you. He is the vine, we are the branches. And as we remain, as we abide, we'll always be fruitful. And sometimes that fruitfulness will come externally and sometimes that fruitfulness will come internally. Sometimes the Lord will teach us to flourish in here before we can flourish out here. Sometimes we need our roots to go deep to do what he's called us to do. Sometimes we need to learn how to receive sustenance and resource from him to cause us to stand and go where he's called us to go. But we'll never be able to do it if we remove ourselves from here. And we remove ourselves from here when either we love our own lives so much that we refuse to lay down the things he's asked us to lay down. When we want something so badly and God says, okay, if you, if you really want it, if you really want that attractive girl or that attractive guy, if you really want that house or that car, if you really want this, you can, you can get it. And so we go, okay, and we come on over and we leave the place of our fruitfulness there was a writer in New York who said that sometimes she, a secular writer doesn't believe in God. But she said, you know, sometimes I think when God wants to play a mean practical joke on someone, he gives them exactly what they want and then laughs merrily as they realize they want to kill themselves. Because we go after things that we think will bring us life, but then we realize we're withering because we've left the vine because we've left the place where we dwell and where all of our life flows and all of our grace flows and all of his power and strength flows into us to empower us to do what he's called us to do. Come on, close your eyes right now. Hold out your hands if you like. I want you to begin to just say, God, thank you. Thank you that I am in the divine cuddle. Thank you, Abba, that I am in your divine embrace. Thank you that you have come and done for me what I could not do for myself. And you have brought me into you. And now I am one with you, united to you. And your life and your power is working within me. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well done. Father, Son, Spirit. And Aaron. So this is what Jesus is saying, is that as you do that, as you remain where he has placed you, you will forever be fruitful. You will bear fruit. And then he goes on to say, verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. So actually, what he's calling us to is glorious. What he's calling us to is to reflect and shine the glory of God from, from our lives and to those around us. And then he goes on to say, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. So now he's linking your identity to what you do. Now he's saying, because this is who you are, this is how it works out. This is what it looks like. He's not saying, obey my commands and you will get put into me. He's saying, because I have brought you into myself, now this is what it looks like to live, to breathe, to act like someone in the divine embrace. And what he's doing is he's inviting us into friendship. Because commands given to servants bring anxiety. But commands given to friends bring joy. Right? He goes on to say, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The commands of Jesus bring us into joy and bring us into life. The commands of Jesus actually come and renew us and restore us and we find that we're so incredibly joy-filled and yet to everyone around us it makes no sense. How can you, what do you mean you're, you don't want to go out and party? What do you mean you don't want to do that? That's what brings me joy. Yeah, but what brings me joy is being in the one who's embracing me. What brings me joy is remaining where I have been placed. And so I don't want to go there because I'll actually start to wither. I don't want to do that because I will remove myself from where he's placed me. And joy starts to well up in our hearts. Jesus goes on, verse 12, My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name, and this is my command to love each other. So Jesus is talking about his commandments, how his commandments bring us joy, his commandments bring us life. And then he says something that he hasn't said so far. He said, I'm looking for fruitfulness from you, fruit that will remain. So then we need to ask ourselves, what is this fruit that remains? What is fruit that remains? If you're unsure, do this experiment with me. After we're done here, go to Costco or go to BJ's. Buy their, buy um, a large package of fruit. Because if you need a large package, Costco is the only place to go. 
If you need a package with 250 avocados, Costco is the place to go. If you need more pineapples than you can possibly eat in your lifetime, go to Costco, all right? Buy a large package of fruit. Apples, grapes, cherries, I don't care. Bring it home. Put it on your table. And every time you go by, take some and eat it. And I guarantee you, if you're just, if you're doing it and you're doing it sporadically, what's going to happen to that fruit is going to start going soft. And then it's going to start going bad. Why? Because Costco sells more fruit than we could ever possibly eat in our lifetime. But the reality is, is that is not fruit that will last. That is the fruit that dies. So what is fruit that remains? Fruit that remains is simply this. Fruit that is on a tree that falls to the ground where an animal comes along and eats it. Oh, that looks good. Get eaten and digested. Travel inside of an animal where you reach the logical conclusion and you get pooped out the other end. And you go into the ground covered in poop. And what happens is that in the ground, the seed dies. It's covered in the darkness, it's covered in the dirt. And in that darkness where no one sees, the seed begins to sprout. And it sends its roots out looking for water. And it sends its roots deep looking for water. And as its roots go down, as the root system, the nourishment system gets established, the seed starts to send up sprouts. And it starts to come and push and push against the hard ground. And fi until finally, mm, it pops out of the ground. And you and I look at it and we go, oh, that's just... That's just a tiny plant. But what you don't see is that that seed has been pushing for weeks to get up there. And when it's up there in the air and the light and the rain, it just starts to grow and grow and grow. And fruit that remains is a tree that bears fruit. Because it has come to its logical conclusion of death, resurrection, growing and now it starts producing fruit that others can eat. And that, my friends, is what the Lord's calling you and I to do. As he's calling us to become not just fruits on other people's trees. He's not just calling us to be little plants. He's calling us to be mighty oaks, to be mighty trees planted by the river of God that bears us fruit in season and out of season. That is what the Lord is calling you and I to do. Some of you have had words. Some of you have had people prophesy over you. And some of you know, this is what I'm called to. This is where I'm going. But it's not happening. And I don't see why it's not happening. I don't understand why it's not happening. It seems like God's deserted me. All I see and all I experience is darkness around me. And if that's you, maybe it's because the Lord hasn't buried you, but maybe it's because he's planted you. And maybe he's inviting you to have your roots sink down into him so that you can flourish in him before you can ever flourish publicly.
before you can ever flourish where others can see. Maybe he's calling you to the secret place to go into him and allow the water of the Holy Spirit to come and to water your soul and water your spirit and water your mind so that you flourish in here before he'll release you into what, you've call, what you're called to do. See, the Lord's setting us up our Father's just so good that he's setting us up. How many of you want resurrection power to flow inside of you? Put your hands up, come on, unashamedly, lift them high. Now keep them high and remember this, there is no resurrection without death, my friends. There is no resurrection without death. And what the Lord's inviting you into is what he's always done, it's the way of the kingdom, is that death leads to life. As we lay our lives down, we realize that we're finding our true life. And as I was praying this morning, I felt like the Lord was saying that he was releasing fresh hope into some of us, hope, that, hope and power to do what he's called you to do. And the things that he's releasing into you are actually meant to impact nations and generations. It's not just for your life. God's not an individualistic God, but he is a God who thinks generationally and what he wants to release in you and through you is actually meant to touch and impact generations and nations. So it's not just you. It's the people around you that he is reaching. And there are some of you in this room who I, f I feel like the battles that you win, your descendants are gonna walk in. The victories that you gain are actually not meant for you. They're going to be released as an inheritance to your children's children's children. There are some cycles that the Lord's stopping in our family lines. I specifically felt there are some people who have been, like you look back over your family over the past four or five generations and it's just been cycles of poverty. And the Lord is saying that ends now so that you can flourish and thrive. See, God calls us into the secret place not to punish us. He calls us into the secret place so we can flourish in him. And there are some of you, just as we were talking about earlier, where, where Jesus says that my father prunes branches. There are some of you who have been fruitful before and you're in a season where you're not being fruitful and you're going, Lord, are you done with me? Lord, have you forgotten about me? Lord, I feel so hidden, I feel so alone, I feel like no one sees me and no one notices me. And what he's doing is he's setting you up for resurrection power to flow into you. What he's doing is he's teaching you to flourish and to thrive so that when the next season comes for you to be fruitful, you will be even more fruitful than you have been before. Then next year's harvest comes from last year's bounty. And our God is so good that he's setting you up. So if you're in a place where you feel hidden, I have good news for you. The water of his spirit is rushing towards you. And if you're in a place where you are being incredibly fruitful, I have good news for you. Pruning is coming. <laughs> Pruning is coming so you can continue being even more fruitful. And as you're, because he is the loving gardener who watches over us and tends over us to see that we are fruitful. 
But here's the thing. <laughs> after, after last service, I had this young lady come up to me and say, John, can you help me? I don't know what I'm called to. I feel like the Lord's calling me to something, but I don't know what. I don't know what I'm supposed to say yes to. I don't know what I'm supposed to say no to. I said, good. What he's doing is he's teaching you to abide. See, when you abide, you don't need to worry about fruitfulness. All you need to do is worry about being connected to him and doing what's in front of you to the best of your ability. Because if you do whatever God's put in front of you to the best of your ability, God looks at that and he sees that and he goes, ah, there is someone I want to promote. There is someone I want to bring before kings. And Proverbs says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. And so some of you, you, have, you feel this calling to ministry. You feel this calling to be a CEO. You feel this calling to be a mother. And it's, there's no way that you are seeing any bit of that in front of you right now. Good. In this season, learn to abide, remain, stay where he has placed you, and do what he's put in front of you with all of your might. Because Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do it with all your might as working for the Lord and not man, for the Lord will reward you. And when you do it for his reward, that's where you position yourself to be accelerated and thrust into the next season that he has for you. So this morning, be encouraged. Be of good hope. Because our father is the gardener. Our, the sun is the vine. The spirit is the life that is flowing. And you are connected to him. Remain where he has placed you. Abide in him. And you will never cease being fruitful all the days of your life. Would you stand with me? I wanted to release a blessing over you for fruitfulness, for multiplication. Hold out your hands. And if, and if that's you, if, if what I've been saying, you're, you're saying, God, I want that. God, I want to be fruitful in the kingdom of heaven. God, I want to, be, to have fruit that remains. I want to be a tree planted by the rivers. I want you to begin to tell him. I want you to begin to say, God, I say yes to you this morning. I choose to remain where you have put me. And then in the mighty name of Jesus right now, I release a blessing and an anointing upon you to multiply in the kingdom of heaven. I bless you to be incredibly fruitful. I bless you to bear fruit in season and out of season. I bless you to be rooted and grounded in the kingdom of heaven, to have his life flowing into you and to be reproducing that life in all those around you, everywhere you go. I bless you to be full of fire and faith and passion for Jesus. And I bless you to remain in the divine embrace. I bless you to remain in the divine cuddle and to know his arms of love around you and his voice whispering into your ear, you are my son, you are my daughter, and you I am well pleased. You are my beloved. And from that place, to be incredibly fruitful. In Jesus' mighty name, I break off all hopelessness across this room. I break off the lie that says that God is done with you. I break off the lie that says that you missed your opportunity, you missed your shot. And I release fresh hope right now that God is priming us, setting us up for a resurrection.
Ha, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. All across this room, 